episode of the Speak Up Sports podcast with your girl, Anna Lively. This episode is featuring minority owner of my favorite sports team in the world, the Washington Nationals. Paxton Baker is a businessman, producer, professional sports owner, used to be a part of BET Networks, and the current chairman of the Congressional Award, which is the highest award Congress gives out to youth in the United States. Today, we will be talking about his career journey and the importance of helping and giving back to others. I don't want to keep you waiting any longer, so get your tea or coffee and dessert and enjoy the episode. Well, thank you, Mr. Baker, again for joining me today. I'm looking forward to this fun interview. Um, can we start off with back in childhood? What would you say your favorite sports were or why you enjoyed watching sports growing up? Uh, favorite two sports would be basketball and baseball in childhood, for sure. And, I, and, and then football third, and I played all three of them uh, through grade school and into high school. And uh, I would probably say, uh, like, yeah, playing baseball, it, it was, it was uh, kind of the equal baseball and basketball as far as uh, loving them both and mm -hmm. enjoying them. And I still, I play basketball now. I play pickup baseball. It's very rare. Like every uh, two or three years, I might get a chance <laughs> to do it. But play basketball uh, consistently now, uh, outdoors from uh, April through the end of September. Well, that's fun, a fun activity. <laughs> so when you attended college, what would you say, did you ever imagine being where you were today that long ago? I would say that I was open-minded and I still feel the same today as far as like having an open mind and thinking uh, by way of the possibility of accomplishments and uh, not using the expression selling yourself short. Right. And um, just being like you know, open from the perspective of there's a possibility that I could achieve anything and that all possibilities are open and um, not thinking uh, from the perspective of, no, I don't think I can accomplish that. Yeah, that's a great mindset for that. Mm -hmm. So then on to start of your career with uh, BET Networks, you were with them for 17 years. What types of responsibilities did you have with them over that time period? So um, my relationship with BT actually started in from 1991 to 1999. I was a, uh, a consultant and um, a freelancer with them. And uh, my initial relationship started with them, with uh, BT coming down to the Caribbean to uh, uh, shoot a festival to shoot a magazine style show for a festival that I was producing on the island of Aruba in 91 and then in 92 started a festival on the island of St. Lucia and they came down and, and did a full form uh, one hour concert video uh, from St. Lucia and that began kind of in uh, deeper earnest my relationship with them and then additional to that I pitched them on the idea of doing a television show called Caribbean Rhythms in 1983 and then I started actually producing TV for the first time TV shows and so uh, it was a pretty active relationship I helped them launch the BT Jazz channel which launched in 1996 wow. and then in uh, 99 I was offered the uh, beginning of 90, end of 98 beginning of 99 offered an opportunity to run the Jazz channel and actually become a general manager of a TV station so I joined the organization in um, the beginning of 99 and then 
A year later, I sold my production company, which at the time was producing about four international music festivals. We grew to about wow. 10 festivals a year. Oh my goodness. And uh, so I did what was one of my first loans by way of uh, producing concerts uh, under their auspice and helped build, the, build the, 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 the base of the amount of events that we did and then was also running the television channel at the same time and then in the early 2000s i produced the first award show first of three different award shows i produced called the billboard bet jazz awards that was in 2001 wow. and then um, we did the source awards in 06 and 07 and then we started the soul train awards in 2009 i did that for five years so i uh, got a chance to live out all the dreams from producing festivals to touring musicians throughout the whole of the world to then producing award shows and running a television channel. So it offered me a lot of opportunity and uh, it's a, it was a incredible, incredible experience and one that I enjoyed a lot. Wow, that's really incredible. So starting your relationship there and then you became the president for the BET event production. So what type sure. of work went into or preparation into every type of event for that? So, so that that company, the BT Event Productions, that company actually was my former my former production company that I sold to them in two thousand one. Wow, like and full so, circle. Yeah, so that 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 I, I mentioned a little bit earlier. So, um, that company uh, that company produced music festivals and we toured artists in different parts. So we've done tours throughout the Caribbean with artists like Carlos Santana and with Marcellus, uh, another artist Gloria Estefan. Uh, who's a major uh, act at the time? We produced her and went through South, the northern rim of South America, Colombia, Venezuela, uh, Aruba, and Puerto Rico. And so the event production business is essentially you everything from locating a venue where you think you can actually mount a successful event. And in the Caribbean, a lot of times it's not necessarily uh, does not necessarily have to be a um, stadium. Uh, we used a lot of different outdoor locations that we built into performance venues by way of erecting stages, by by, by uh, concessions, and uh, in the whole of the infrastructure that you have to put in place to present an event. So bringing in sound like stage equipment, generators. Uh, most of the events in the Caribbean are done uh, using a generator and not necessarily hard power. So uh, all of those things, uh, everything from booking the artist to booking the space to security to satellite stage uh, and um, all the volunteers coordinating all of those. So uh, the the uh, work that I did uh, throughout the world when we, we ended up doing a multitude of different events in the United States, the events in the States are generally easier because um, there's so much infrastructure there and a lot of times when you're doing things in different countries outside the United States, there's a lot of infrastructure you have to build and bring in. Okay. That's very interesting. All the preparation that goes into all of that. Mm -hmm. So throughout your time as a music producer in that industry, what was it like producing two Grammy nominated albums? Uh, Pretty amazing, and actually, fortunately, I can say it was three. We did uh, oh, wow. three, three, three projects that I did with an artist named Benjamin Winans or BB Winans, and uh, I probably have produced about like, close to twenty albums or CDs, and wow. uh, and then about fifty music concert full form DVDs that I produced, and each of them had their own special memories to it. Uh, the, the Grammy projects that were nominated with BB were were meaningful. He was one of my oldest friends, 
uh, he and I met in 1988, and wow. uh, we've been friends all those years. And uh, pretty much all the different festivals and events, award shows that I've done throughout the world, uh, I have a group of artists who like long-term friends and just a really solid established trust, and they're great musicians. So I work with each of them, and whenever the opportunity comes up to work with them again, I, I do. So BB is, uh, I think he's my oldest friend in the entertainment. He and another artist named Stanley Clark, my oldest two friends in the entertainment industry, and uh, like literally a lifetime friendship with with each of them. So uh, very special and meaningful. And each one, uh, each of the projects, kind of were, were different in shape and scope. So that was uh, fun uh, as well, working working in that regard. Yeah, what an amazing lifelong relationship through mm -hmm. those. So now on to your ownership part. When you first became a part of the Washington Nationals ownership team, what what did you expect? Well, when we were going through the process of, of and so I was still at BET at the time. Um, my, my tenure at BET was from 91 to 99 as a consultant, 99, beginning March of 99 through uh, my contract ended in 2017 uh, with them uh, by way of being an executive. And um, in the midst of it, when opportunities come up, I, I'm generally open-minded, as I mentioned mm -hmm. a little bit earlier, to, to see you know, what, what could be with it. So, uh, in, 20, in 2000, beginning of 2006, I was introduced to the Lerner family through my dentist, uh, Dr. <laughs> Rosenberg. And I, I tell people all the time that networking is not just, uh, networking should not just be defined or uh, held within uh, the people who are within your, your industry. You can, there's a wide array of different people who can introduce you to a friend or right. have something else to do. And so I'm often asked that question. Know, you know how did you get into this or you know what are the keys for it and my answer is pretty consistent from the perspective of uh, networking and building friends and having friendships uh, can open more doors than pretty much anything else and along with that when I say that volunteering is really important and near and dear to my heart and um, I know we're going to get into discussing the congressional war a little bit later but right. that's uh, purely uh, volunteer based and uh, something that's very, very meaningful to me as well, and something I, I quite enjoy doing, and I find it to be very enriching to volunteer and give additional time to things that you're mm -hmm. not necessarily getting paid financially for. So as far as the Nationals, one uh, I was going through the negotiation process, and we were fortunate enough to get the team, one of my senior partners, Ed Cohen, uh, from the Lerner family, uh, said to me that I could be as involved or uninvolved with the team right. as I wanted to be based on my time. And so at the time, I was running a television channel and a production company and also was chairman of the Congressional Award at the time. So right. um, I ended up bringing in Ed Cohen and a number of different friends who I met through my relationships with the Nationals into the Congressional Award as, as volunteer board members. And it just kind of gave us the opportunity to holistically round out our friendship a little bit more and has been uh, very meaningful. So the Nationals has been an incredible opportunity when I Instead of leaving BET, I put more time in by way of spending more games. I have a great mm -hmm. friendship with Mike Rizzo, our general manager. Uh, I was very close to Dusty Baker as well. Uh, I have a good relationship with Davey, but not, not as close to him as I was with uh, with Dusty. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I, I try to help out inside the organization with the different departments there. And when possible, I'm making referrals for quality people to come and join our team or uh, whatever else it happens to be. But it's, it's always... Um, 
it's always with an open mind and uh, helping to uh, make sure that our organization is uh, fulfilling as many best practices as possible right and that our, our group moves ahead and in a, a, a open strong forthright uh, transparent uh, manner um, with um, mindfulness to the community that we're a part of yeah I think it's really important that you brought up the importance of networking and friendship I actually talked to Dusty like two weeks ago too and I, he's one of oh, the nicest guys so yes Okay. I think he's a very special person. Yes, he definitely is. So the Nationals were in their first ever World Series in 2019. And back in May, they were only 19 and 31, and they had a 0.1% chance of winning the World Series. How do you think this fueled the team to do the impossible and bring the first ever title back to Washington, D.C.? So that's a good question. So uh, from, from if, I, if I remember my, my history correctly, so the Nationals won the title as the Senators in 1924. Uh -huh. And then they went back again in 1925 and 1930, and they lost both of those. Mm -hmm. And I think it was to the Yankees, actually, that they lost both of those titles. So uh, uh, so we we... The team actually it disbanded a couple of different times. The original Washington Nationals were started in 1869 and folded in in um, in 1901, and then reformed and became the Washington Senators. And they stayed in okay. Washington until 1961 or 62. They moved to Minnesota and became the Minnesota Twins, and then they reformed oh, okay. and became the Washington Senators again. And in 1974, moved to Texas and became the Texas Rangers. So, wow, I didn't uh, know that. It's you know, it's it's there's been a, kind of iterations of that of that group. So, <clears throat> uh, the Montreal Expos mm -hmm. started around I think it was 1969, and the Expos uh, were in Montreal until 2000. Uh, MLB took over the team in 2004, mm -hmm. then shopped it in 2005 to Portland, Las Vegas, Jacksonville, Florida, Northern Virginia, and I think I'm missing one city. You see Portland, Vegas, Jacksonville, Sacramento, and Northern Virginia, and Washington, D.C., and the then mayor, Tony Williams, and uh, city council member, or city council chairman, Linda Kropp, uh, convinced the council to vote on behalf to open up the opportunity for the stadium, but they did so with the caveat that it had to have significant minority participation. So. Uh, there were originally 13 groups that were vying to purchase the team, then it mm -hmm. cut down to eight, then it cut down to four. And one of the groups um, that was run by Stan Kasten folded into our group, and we were fortunate enough to get the opportunity to run the team. So that's just a little history for you with it. And then we, I think our, our division titles were, if I'm not mistaken, it was 20, 2013, 20, 20, 2012, then uh, 16 and 17, mm -hmm. we had four division titles, and then our World Series run was in 19. So uh, each of them had their own special moments, and uh, early on, certainly for me, of kind of like pinching yourself because, as I mentioned, I was open-minded as a kid, but I certainly didn't didn't have it in my brain at the time that you know, gee, was one day I'll grow up and be part owner of a baseball team that wasn't a that wouldn't have been something that was in my vision quest at the time 
I was probably originally as a kid, you know, thinking and dreaming, boy, you know what, I'll, I'll be good enough to make the majors. Yes. I wasn't. So uh, a different path opened, and I certainly went, went on that path. Yeah, that's such an interesting, the whole history behind it. I didn't even know parts of that. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. So one thing I would add is, is uh, from a passion perspective, I think it's important for people to do things that they love and yes. do things that they cherish. I think that the things that you're passionate about, you have a greater opportunity to win with and to be successful with if you're deeply passionate about something that that uh, creates a whole different level of drive from a person if, mm -hmm. they, if they're deeply passionate about something. Yeah, you got to do what you love. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, so you were at the Houston Astros Stadium sort of setting the scene for Game 7 when the Nationals did take home the trophy. What was it like seeing this come to the ending that would be the best ending possible? And then what kind of celebrations happened after that? So the word I would use is electric, exciting, incredible, amazing, uh, pinch yourself. Uh, <laughs> uh, and each of the games, as you may remember, were so, they were dramatic because right. they came from behind. And I think we didn't score until the seventh inning when they took Grinky out and everybody on our team was certainly relieved because they did <laughs> such an amazing job. It's interesting that this year's World Series uh, or the 2020 World Series, the same thing happened with the, with right. the Dodgers mm -hmm. and in Tampa Bay. So uh, with them taking Blake Snell out. So for two years in a row, <laughs> the starting pitcher was doing amazing work and the opposing managers took their their ace out. And, uh, you know, the, the uh, opposing team got the chance to, to benefit from it. So, but if the whole race with us, like never winning a game at home, and uh, right. for the World Series, that was the first time that's ever happened. History, the yeah. team won each of the games during the World Series. But even the Dodgers series, when we came back in the eighth inning to come back and tie it and, and, and go ahead with the Grand Slam mm -hmm. in the uh, top of the ninth, uh, they were so, and, and even the Milwaukee Brewers, same thing. Each, each of the series, other than the Cardinals, which we, you know, it was kind of like mowed through them. Each of the series, we were the underdog and we were kind of right. like biting our teeth and biting nails and uh, you know, not sure if we were going to be able to pull it off. So uh, that excitement level was incredible. We've never had a series like the Cardinals before. We actually swept the team. That was right. pretty incredible. It felt great. Uh, retrospectively, I would probably prefer from a nerves perspective <laughs> being ahead and, and winning all those, but that wasn't our path. So uh it, it was uh, electric. Uh, it felt very lonely because uh, afterwards, when the when the game was over and we celebrated, it felt like maybe about maybe a thousand to fifteen hundred people were there, like Nationals fans, that right. stayed behind to see the trophy celebration on the field. Uh, after having lost to the uh, Cardinals, the Cubs, and the Dodgers at home, the right. Giants we lost to on the road. But those three series losing at home, it was so painful to see other people cheering mm -hmm. on your field and just celebrating and going, you know, crazy and just being happy with their their own rightful, gleeful joy. We finally were able to do that in somewhere else, and so uh, it felt great. But I remember the pain of having it done on our field, right. kind of that. So I understood, and I was sensitive to the fans there uh, for it, and. Um, uh, the fans in Houston were gracious, and I tried certainly tried to be the same way in Washington when they were here. They beat us pretty badly for three games in a row. Right. Like they smoked us like 
consistently in Washington. So I remember I like we were talking the one night that that it was in Washington D.C. and it was we were like you were like we they have to bounce back somehow. Mm-hmm. And it took there, but, but yeah, it was a great experience. Amazing. Like uh, I, I hope to have that again in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't have written the ending of the script any better than that. Correct. Correct. So then you were able to go back to Washington, D.C. to celebrate with all the fans in mm-hmm. the nation's capital before COVID shut down. Right. We had, as a matter of fact, we did we did do a celebration in the hotel after we left <laughs> the field in Houston. I forget which hotel it was, but it was a, the owners and the players celebrated uh, in the hotel till, uh, till late. And I remember the bar shut at 2 o'clock and... Um, uh, different people going to their rooms to raid the mini bars, <laughs> additional, um, you know, uh, imbibe, imbibing spirits there. So, but it was all fun. It was a, a great thing. It was a band of people, the Washingtonians, and on the same thing on the flight the next day, it was a group of small group of people who were on the plane, and uh, we all came back together, and everybody was still kind of, uh, you know, a little bit worn out and not <laughs> from the from the the night's uh, celebration, and then. Uh, I got back early in the morning and uh, seeing the team land on CNN and uh, mm-hmm. Wolf Blitzer, who's a very dear friend and really overwhelmingly close with the Lerner family. Uh, him, he was on the Situation Room and seeing the plane land with the players with the trophy wow. coming off and raising the trophy in the air. And then we had a, an incredible celebration uh, downtown uh, on the mall and um, on the mall and, uh, and on Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, Constitution Avenue, uh, uh, for the, uh, uh, and right in front of the Capitol actually as well, uh, for where we did the celebration and the mayor and various uh, dignitaries and people kind of coming out and, and cheering us on with it. So the, it was, uh, the celebration is still very fresh in my mind. And as I mentioned, like, I, I hope to be able to have that spirit, yes. that spirit and experience again in my lifetime. Yes, such a special moment. All right, so now going on to the Congressional Award and how you're involved with that as a chairman. Mm -hmm. Why did you get involved with the Congressional Award? I was asked to. I was asked to. uh, There was a friend of mine who was, uh, she worked at American Airlines for years in their special services club in Washington, and then she went over and became the development director of the Congressional Award. And then one day she called me up and said, hey, would you be willing to run a public service announcement for us? And I said, yeah, sure. So we ran the public service announcement, and they came back and said, "Would you be willing to to cut one for us?" And um, one we had, we certainly we'd like to approve it. So we ended up cutting a new one, new one, and got younger people on it. Uh, BT was owned um, when I first joined BT. It was a private company, and then it sold to Viacom in 2001, in January 2001. And so um, I was able to uh, work with friends over at MTV Networks and get some younger people. Uh, onto the uh, PSA that we cut, and then we ran it. We got MTV to run it, and uh, not long after that, they came back and said, "You know, would you be willing to join the board?" And I said yes to that. Joined the board, and then on the other side of that, uh, ended up getting becoming an involved board member. And mm-hmm. I think within a year or two of joining, I was asked to become vice chairman, and then a couple years after that, I was asked to become chairman, and I've been chairman now since 2007. So. Uh, it's been wow. a great experience. Um, I really appreciate the young people in the program. I'm inspired by them on a continual basis, certainly in your family. Wow, you, thank you. Your family's been participating with the award. And um, 
it's like the interaction that I've got with parents who've been so appreciative of the award over the years, uh, young people who I've seen come back to do uh, various events and talk about how the award helped shape their life and help grow it. I'm really proud to say my oldest daughter is uh, a gold medalist now. Congrats. And, um, my my twins are in the program as well. Uh, my oldest daughter is 20 and my twins are 16. They're in the program now. So it's uh, overall, it's been great for our family. Uh, it's certainly, I think volunteerism it is a, one of the most meaningful things a person can do. And I think it helps uh, shape you as a human being and helps you grow to become a better person by the volunteer work that you do. Yeah, I'm looking forward to earning it as well. But Going back to the volunteering, how would you say it's important for teenagers to volunteer even now, e either remotely or in person for COVID, to still help out their uh, community? Right. I, th I, think it, I think it helps with uh, your own personal ethics. I think that we grow by helping other people and by sharing and giving of our time and resources. Mm -hmm. I think it uh, opens mental doors that you're actually not necessarily aware of at the time that you're actually doing it. I think it also sends uh, uh, messages to your subconscious mind that you have more than enough, that you actually have so much that you can share access with others and yeah. that you, you kind of convince yourself that you're okay. And then the experiences that you get by sharing yourself and by sharing with other people, in my opinion, are, are second to none. And um, it, it, like, the, the phrase I would use is just kind of like opening mental doors and also other possibilities that, um, that come up, uh, that come up in, inside your own consciousness. And some, that, some, many of them that we're not necessarily aware of. Right, yeah, that's so important. All right, well, to finish off, we're gonna do my favorite five questions. So first okay. off, what has been your favorite memory throughout your career, music, owner, anything, and why? Well, that's a tough one for one, uh, but I would say like certainly the meeting and developing the friendships that I would say would probably be the, the key one. So uh, the Lerner family, uh, Stevie Wonder, uh, Harry Balafani, who's been a lifelong uh, influence on my life. And um, oh, I'm probably like uh, there, there's been the relationships. I would say like meeting the people that I've met and being able to develop friendships would be probably like the greatest joys that I've had. And I've had them early on in the Caribbean by meeting a wide array of different uh, prime ministers who I developed friendships with. And then also meeting Nelson Mandela was wow. one of the highlights That's of my special. life. And being able to spend time with them on two different occasions, once in the Caribbean and, and in South Africa as well. So uh, those would be some of the highlights. Yeah, I love that you're going back to the friendships. And Muhammad Ali as well, for sure. I would add him there as well. Hey, those must be special to have enjoyed those special moments. So what was your favorite school subject and why? Uh, history, my way of learning about the past and uh, my way of learning about the past and, and getting a picture of how things were before me and mm -hmm. uh, seeing the changes in my own lifetime and then uh, with hopes of being able to influence the future. All right, what would you tell the younger version of Paxton Baker? Uh, stay focused, uh, be open-minded, uh, challenge, challenge yourself daily, uh, believe your dreams, believe your dreams can come true, and to apply myself. Yeah, that's good. All right, well, in case you do would have a free day, if you could plan your ideal day, what would it be? 
actually on that one say like most of the time the ones that I live it's like I, I so I, I work for myself now and I'm able to come into my office I, I really like the people that I work with a lot um, my 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 main person that I work with her and I've been working with each other for over 25 years wow. um, so my office environment is a different version of my home to me and so I like my colleagues I like my friends like the people I interact with I'm in a position where I don't necessarily have to work with people that I don't really get along with. And so um, I really enjoy coming into my office and then I work out uh, probably five or six days a week, most of the time. And I love to exercise. And then over the summer I play basketball in the winter, I generally canoe. Uh, we didn't this year because of COVID, but I generally canoe from December through March. And uh, so I get outdoor exercise regularly and I'm actually living the life that I like to live right now. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> Okay, and then finally, if mm -hmm. people could describe you in one word, what would it be? Certainly, uh, uh, I would like to think, so the one word I would say positive, uh, positive person. And I, I'm, my positive mental attitude is a fundamental entity as to who I am. And then I think another word would certainly be authentic. So positive and authentic. Yeah, well. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, Anna. I was uh, glad to be able to do this for you. And um, I hope I hope my story benefits some people out there. And uh, I've been blessed with multiple friends who, who've been kind enough to help me and give me time over the years. And I always uh, try to do my best to do the same in return.